0: Uh, I was going to get to it before we left, and so I wanted to specifically extend an extra week. And the thing is that we just got back like last night. Like, we rolled in last night. with kids in bed. There's no food in our house. Right? We are leading, like we are eating what mice did not use in our food. <laughs> uh, and so in order to do this, I had to write this okay, three, okay, three, after three weeks, weeks ago. To and then just put it in the can and then wake up this morning and be like, what was I saying? Uh, which is always an interesting thing, because my notes, like, people sometimes said like, say, like, hey, can you said something I want to, like, remember, can you send me your notes? And I always, like, send them to them with the sense of, like, "This helps," this help. Uh, because <laughs> it's always just, like, a word. And, like, not even, like, a word that's, like, the main idea. It's just a word that went on for 30 minutes, and that's why I go on. And so either way, uh, they, I was, like, doing that this morning and, and like, also just thinking two weeks later okay i want to kind of like reshape this and shift this here and i still have to say uh one time you know uh someone uh also wants to specifically ask He you know a lot of times you get to the end of the sermon you know like, oh shoot i got to cut to the end i got to tell this stuff are you okay to go back and do like deleted uh stuff that you, that you didn't get to and then like i'm sometimes intrigued by what it was uh this is that we uh, in this series, there's like two ideas. So this, you know, like you're always supposed to have one idea. There's at least two, maybe sixty-five ideas in here that I'm working with right now. Um, and so at any point, you're like, I kind of lost the coherency of where we're at and where we're going. Blame it on vacation. And blame uh, it on that too. I'm gonna do my best, but uh, we'll see what we got here. Uh, but but here's the tying ideas to keep coming back to, keep that I want to point to. Because ultimately, one thing I we said, but I didn't want to leave without diving directly into uh, in the Spiritual Formation Scripture series, is that when we use Scripture to form ourselves, to practice the way of Jesus together for the life of the world, by being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what he did, we use Scripture for that process. There's two things that I think we often make mistakes with. And you can see them as maybe two ways to fall off on one side or the other, but ironically, I think often both, we all fall off on both of them. Don't make one of the mistakes. We hold both mistakes together at the same time. One is that we take scripture and say it is far too complex. When truly, though it is complex, in some ways it's relatively simple. And then conversely, simultaneously, we take scripture and we make it amazingly simplified, simplistic, but it's far more robust and so those are two ideas I want to get to, and, and, and how in light of those two realities do we actually come to Scripture, actually engage it, actually study it? not borrow ideas from some famous preacher or podcast, but, but you sit with the mind of Christ given to you by the power of the Holy Spirit and it. And we're gonna do that, we're gonna read Psalm 1. So turn to Psalm 1 to me, uh, with me, I believe it's it's in the 480s, 488, I believe. 48, 48. Yep, the red, I was wrong. Okay, 448. Psalm one. As... Line by line or verse by verse. Um, I'll even get to that idea in the sense of talking about someone, but let's read it and uh, I'll pray and dive in. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sin, nor sits in the seat of scoffers? But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his life he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked. Okay, that's right. Father God, I pray that you would use this time to both give us a humble view of the complexity and robustness in. Uh, beautiful enriched uh, scripture that we have in our hands so many stories poems, uh, discourses all pointing to the grand narrative but yet also forming us in so many small and, and profound ways in just the simplest of texts and verses. And I also pray that we leave here with a sense of, that we are equipped in the spirit of the mind of Christ to actually commune with you with your work well, uh, as I said, I am already like off the top here, so no time for intros I really didn't kind of break you into this, we just don't jump into idea one, the idea that we take a uh, scripture where we make it too complex and it's actually meant to be relatively and simple. And to get at this, um, I want you there's certain like interviews or videos or books and just like lines or things that are said, where like I hear it, and I'm just like, that is what I want myself and our people to embody. And the recent time that this happened, and thinking of this series specifically, was an interview uh, by Jane Wilkin. If you know Jane Wilkin, she is a uh, uh, Bible teacher, and she writes the Bible studies. My wife is a big fan of her studies because she says they actually make you observe, interpret, and apply scripture. They don't do the work for you. And she's passionate about that topic. Because she was saying it was, in a, it was in a Bible study magazine, which, by the way, when you become a pastor, they just start sending that to you. Uh, and you know, I know like all my information is everywhere; they just send me whatever they want to send me. But seriously, like it actually started arriving here at the Westminster Center, and then like a few months later, started arriving at my office at some midtown up on 62nd, and now it's arriving at my house, and it's like they're triangulating and the getting most each time, like, I'm like, ready for, like, today I just, like, pull down the bed spread and just sit there and pray, like, <laughs> in, like, a note that says, like, don't forget to brush your teeth. <laughs> but either way, it started coming to me, and they had this fascinating interview with Jane where she talks about our culture is amazingly biblically literate, but we're Bible illiterate. And then she parses it out is this. She says we're biblically literate, we understand biblical concepts. Biblical stories, we know biblical verses, biblical quotes, uh, general biblical ideas. But we're Bible illiterate in that we have no ability to actually draw those out for ourselves. And she said the reason that we got there, or arrived there, is because we have mainly fashioned and formed ourselves in scripture through passive learning environments. Passive learning environment would be a sermon that you're experiencing right now. I have studied and I'm giving you information and you are receiving it. And you're not working for it necessarily. I'm doing my best to work to make sure that you understand clearly. You don't have to do that. Do the minimum amount of work. But then there's also podcasts, whether that be a sermons or just in general. Again, people kind of like studying, finding information and giving it to you. And it's even true about like a lot of Bible study. in Jim Wilkin. Okay is passionate about creating a Bible study that does not make it passive. She makes you observe the text. She makes you interpret the text. And then she makes you apply the text. For most Bible studies, they do the observations, they do the interpretation, and then they provide you with an application, which is, we're fine with, because at the end of the day, most of the time, that's what we feel like we have time for, that's what we feel like we have the education for, that's what we feel like we want. Just give me the five tips to be a better me or a better have a better marriage, or be a better parent, or be—you know—use my singleness to the utmost, or my highest, or whatever. And we just want to jump to application. Devotional materials, all this is basically doing. That. And that's not necessarily bad to start with. I became a Christian listening to a podcast of sermons in Spain because I just had no other English alphabet, and I heard it. Just like many of you, it's like I've heard it all the time, but all of a sudden I heard it. Like I heard the idea of a God who's not angry at me, but Christ who actually loves me perfectly because he has been my perfect substitute for righteousness and he substituted my death for wickedness. And now it's bringing me together, not just to be about my personal salvation, but to be a part of building a kingdom where God's kingdom will now fully someday overlap with his kingdom. He will reign here because doesn't have it. And that was okay to start there. It was okay to mature there for a while. But if I stay there, and a lot of us are there. And that's not to shame us. It's not to, like, stay out there. It's just where our culture naturally leads us to. The problem is, even the guy who I was, like, primarily listening to during his teaching even said, like, you know, there's a problem when you rely primarily on podcasts or surveys spiritual growth and health, it's because you know a lot about what some preacher, some host of a podcast means, but you don't really know what the Bible actually says or how it gets there, the language and the wrestling and the nuance and all the things that people to this day are wrestling over. Ordering of words, choices of words, depiction of details, and we could draw from this or that. And I think we also like this because ultimately we like to think of the Bible as a book to be read, figured out the right interpretation, and master it. Because that's what you do in a lot of, like, school. You get the book, you work through from beginning to end, you memorize, you can reproduce, you master it. But then you take that information you learned and you put it into a where sometimes it follows the book and sometimes it doesn't. Every five to ten years, the book changes, the direction changes. People decide what well, we once thought was the right way is now the opposite way. What's right? It should go this way. You have to deal with real people, real time, and real situations. Things that don't actually apply. You will learn the art, and that's why when you like start your career as a doctor or pastor or a law. There's something to just real life experience. If you have all the technology in the world, then you have to learn how to apply it to actually the messiness of real life. And when you just are basically basing your spiritual of teaching, what you're getting is a pre-made observation and interpretation. I right now am giving you a pre-made observation. And then I'll even go as far to give you applications that you have to maybe applied to your specific scenario yourself. And everyone's doing that. I've said before, a lot of guys have said before, i like to just give the text and draw it out and give it to you so that you, know, you can interpret and apply it. But the truth is, even, before, even what I choose to emphasize, even the way I say a word, We were going through the Genesis series in a church a few years ago. I was like wrestling with a passage in Genesis 14. It's the time where priest Melchizedek shows up to Abram, And it's a really weird passage. Melchizedek is this really mysterious priest that just shows up out of nowhere and never shows up again. And then they refer to him in Hebrews and say, Jesus is kind of like that. And you're like, was that Jesus? Was that not Jesus? And the interpretations of Melchizedek are all over the place. And it was a really hard week to study because a lot of people are just like, I oh, and like basically you're basically reading commentary, like guys who spent their PhD dissertation on McKilsedeck, the and they write a bunch of stuff and then they're just like, and I don't know. And like, you know, <laughs> that's what you do. That's what like, well, that's where we are at right,
1: this time. And yes, a lot of people have drawn that, and I
0: didn't preach the conclusion of that sermon, but that was even the moment where I like to sit like there wrestling and I was like trying to like just give you what the text said about him, and then I was telling it to one of our other pastors, and he said, like, hey, what are you doing with Mikhilzedeck? You don't even say if he's a priest of Yahweh, the God most higher, if he's like, Baal, because there was even reading the commentary, he's like, we don't know if he's a priest of Yahweh or the priest of Baal, the text doesn't say it. He's like, you have to interpret it. He's like, I don't know about you, but God in the Bible honors this man. He honors this priest, and he never honors the priest of Baal. He's very clear that the priest of Baal are worshiping the false God. And that day, the priest and their God will be destroyed upon them. But he honors himself that, So you can interpret it how you want. He's like, that's how I'm interpreting he said ultimately you have to make an interpretation for people. And that's true, everyone's doing that. You're learning. Again, it's good, it's right, it's true, it's how it should be done. But if you become only beholden to the interpretations of one, two, maybe three people, then basically what your theological education becomes is like memorizing chess openness. I don't know if anybody play chess. Um, not the coolest of sports, but uh, I didn't really. But there was a chess club that I kind of like went to occasionally because I like playing computer chess. And I showed up in high school, uh, and there was a guy there that wasn't a high school student. fact, was an adult. He just loved chess. So he liked playing. was like a volunteer just to play chess, and he had magazines upon magazines of chess openings. And what a chess opening is is if they move their con here, you with the best chance to win should move your knight here. But if they move this pawn instead of that pawn, you should instead move this pawn over here to open up a pathway for your rook or your bishop. Or if they move that pawn and then this pawn, then you move like a whole different combination. And basically, with all the different sixty-four squares and all the different pieces, every move and combination of moves sends you on an entirely new trajectory. And so, the just nerdy brain autistic geniuses who just like soak in chess to its fullest. Sorry like uh, You, you just memorize all the possible combinations. Really? Let me Do it. You memorize all the possible combinations, and essentially this is kind of where we get to a theological understanding. Like, well, I have an interpreter, uh, interpreter who I like, or a podcaster or sermon, and they taught this on this text, and that's good. I never really understood that before, but now I understand it. But then somebody else, like this person over there, I read somebody else, and they have a Totally different interpretation. And I'm like, true, but I mean the best you can do is just like, well, I guess either, like, either you kind of like take a postmodern approach, and they don't really know anything. Or you just take the sense of like, well, this person is holy and this person is a false teacher of the devil. And uh, and like if that's your person, then they like figure out how many chess moves deep they can go with their argument, and then I go back to my person and go through their whole sermon library and find another point, and like, ah, oh, here's the point. Aha! And then they come back and Alright, and then you like go back through and it's just back and forth trying to like go one move deeper than the other person's interpretation. But the one thing you can't do is sit down and look at the teacher that you disagree with. And look at what they're saying. What about what they're saying is true? Because all even if it is false teaching, all false teaching has probably 80% true. Maybe 20% heresy? That's my goal for and us, so real. I mean, those guys just like yours in the preach little. Cool. You know, like you know. And it's true, because you're a human you fallible, it. And it's art. I mean, we're learning more about ancient, and ancient culture, we're learning more about words and the lexical range of words, we're learning more about all the different things that we wrote about this, and now we completely flipped it on its head, and now it's this, and, and and you're having to constantly shift and evaluate and recognize, hey, based off the text that is our common source material. What do I think is true that I just Like that person I disagree with them, but what do I think is what they're saying is true? Where do I think they're off? And the person that I like. Where are they off? Because they're not perfect. And where do they say, hey, I like them on this and this and this, but here, I I see where they went through in the text, but I look at that text and I don't go there. And again, this gets really confusing and the question is like, just tell me the answers. Like, give me the answer. But the Bible never presents itself as a book. I said a couple weeks ago, it presents itself as a library of poetry, narrative, prose discourse, all coming together and weaving together for a common meta narrative. But amongst that meta narrative, there's so much that we learn and unearth, dig down, find more information, and grow in. And as I said maybe about a month ago now, The core doctrines of Christianity have remained very clear and very consistent amongst many cultures and interpreters, and there's just like an overwhelming sense of unified clarity against the core things. Jesus is the Son of God. That's what Scripture is saying, anyway. You can disagree with Scripture, but that's what it's saying. God is the all wise, all good creator of this world. He's executing his kingdom coming forth in this world through the tension of. People now coming and forming into the image of Jesus, bringing life. And there's lots of other things that the scriptures can be really clear about, but there are tons of things that we're all wrestling through interpretation. With. We're all trying to get back to original context, original purpose, authority of things. Hey, we heard this, have you read this, you've done this. In general, Wilkins says, the good news is, what she thinks is actually would happen if we began to be a people who, who could wrestle with this text, who could chew on it day and night, delighted, like Psalm 1 says, people who are living with the whole thing for our eyes and wrestling. Maybe those would be very unified in the clear doctrines of the, of the Scriptures. And you'd be able to understand how sure we are of all the other things and hold them with a huge hand of humility. I believe this. I believe the Scripture's talking about it. I'm going to live this way, but I could be wrong. I'm faithfully trying to do my best with the power of the Spirit holding on to Jesus and His grace all the whole time. And so the first side of what I want to do here this morning is so really about 80% of what I want to do for you. Is just talk about, how do you do that? Because Second Corinthians says that you have now the mind of Christ through the Spirit. You don't need somebody to mediate. Hebrews is going to talk about that. You don't need a mediator. You can go for the Spirit, Scripture, understanding the context, and communion with God. So how do you do that? A few things. The first thing, this is going to sound completely contradictory to everything I said at the You need a variety of perspectives that you trust to help you discern the original context. Because the first thing about scripture is that it is written for us, but it is not written to us. And so it is a, not a, there's the book misreading scripture through Western eyes, because we are a Western culture. week one of this series laid out how Western culture has created a very specific worldview that's very different than Eastern culture. And these are Eastern spiritualists, but not modern Eastern spiritualists. You can't even go to, like, a modern Eastern thinker and say, like, well, what do you think? Because modern Eastern thinking has gone through a huge metamorphosis and transformation over a long period of time that comes from a completely different root than the one we're sitting on in the West. And so the goal of trying to get back to 2,000 years ago, and in some books older than that, the Old Testament, obviously, and trying to learn what the author is saying. They have a whole different way of using language. I mean, you know that like, language doesn't directly translate from one to the other. Idioms, you know, figures of speech, humor, is missed. Even just things they're referring to, some things we know what they're referring to, some things we don't. So we're trying to get back as best we can. And I've seen, some people, and I would I, I gotta be careful with this because I think there's something about this that is actually very good, and something about this that can be dangerous if just not alone. Where they say, I'm going to take the Scripture and I'm going to take my mind as the Spirit and I'm only going to use my mind and the Holy Spirit and the Scripture. And that's very good because they're doing exactly what I'm saying we all must do. And that is eventually turn off all the external noise and just sit with the original but if you just do that, I would say the one thing that can be dangerous is you can misread this with Western on You can say, well, when, the, when Paul says this, this is what it would mean in a Western context, so he must mean that. But in an Eastern context, he doesn't mean that at all. And I'm off very foundationally from the beginning. And so the first thing we all must do, if we're going to sit and meditate on this day and night and chew on this, meditate like the song, and come with a, a reflective, an actual question of what it is it is work on a wide variety of perspectives. I don't just want one teacher text. I want teachers who I know I explicitly disagree with because I want to hear how they get to the context. I want to go with them, I want to see where they go. I don't have to just be in my camp and my stream all the time. I find I'm, I'm most grown and stretched when I have someone who I disagree with strongly in their outcome, but I learn how they get there. There's some parts that I think are very helpful, to they do, and there's some parts where they're just really apart and that's okay. In okay, fact, amongst all these 12 rules for life, that I'm not uh, a way to sort of give 12 rules for life, like everyone's giving them the 12 rules for life. I forget yeah, they did it, but one was, one person had one of the rules being like, learn to learn from people who you disagree with. I think that's helpful. But again, I also want people I really trust. I trust their background, I trust their perspective. Uh, you know, they come from teachers that I trust, and I can see how they get there, how they get the context, how they're getting back there. What do they know about the ancient years and culture? What do they know about Hebrew language? What do they know about Greek language? What do they know about this? And I need to get a wide variety. I don't want just one stream. Otherwise, I get in a really close circle echo chamber and I'm completely blown off my high horse. And all of a sudden, I find someone who has a very compelling argument from a completely different perspective. I I can get healthier, you should work out muscles and break them down. You get sick and you get antibodies. You wrestle with things you agree and disagree with. You have to wrestle with doubt when you come to a place where you actually feel confident. You're not just sitting there, you're like a tree. That even when it's dry, dirty, lame, of doubt or pain or stress, you're not freaking You wrestle with things. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing, though, is learning to get to the original office intent. 10 couple things we need to do there uh, beyond just getting original context and then leaning on the church. And that's the thing, too. Some people who like say, like I don't want other perspectives. I just want individual... Like, I think that's a too individual way of looking at interpretation of Scripture. We need to all realize we're all standing on the shoulders of the church universal and the church historic. We are all one connected body. Yes, guess we're in the denominations now. But ultimately, there is one seed of the church just growing different perspectives and different ideas. So I can learn a lot from the Catholic thinker and see the text radically different than in fact, I found a lot of benefit in certain series and dip, certain disciplines in certain ways, sitting under Catholic mysticism. I could learn a lot from the Reformed Learned I can learn a lot from the New Age uh, merchant thinkers. I and mean, some of you are like, you're like, I don't know if any of those titles That's fine. It's fine to start there and it's fine to be there. Really, I don't know if you need another title as long as you can interact with different forms of argument and thoughts. But know that they all have a history, they all have a line of thinking, they all have a Getting the internet. The land of getting there and versatile. And so in that, uh, one source that I would give you, one is just a, a wide library of commentaries. you can go to the library, and you can get commentaries on every text in the scripture. And yes, you can just pick one up, you don't know that they're coming from. You'll have to read a lot to start to like understand different patterns, different theological camps, all these different things, different perspectives. But as you read them, it actually helps you understand the context. Another one, for those of you who are not going to go to library, you're not going to go on Amazon buy commentary, that's just not what you're going to do. And this is just one source, so if you just use this, you will be in a vacuum, but it is a helpful one, and it's free, it's the Bible Project. Bible Projects, they are not without an interpretation. They have a clear interpretation. I agree with a lot of it, and I disagree with some of it. But they do a lot to make short videos the context in every book of the Bible, every section of the text. In fact, we've borrowed a lot, particularly in this sermon and last sermon, i borrowed a lot from them. Because they have, they're in the midst of the last two years making like 20 video uh, series on how to read the Bible. have a lot of really helpful. So I'm just like, you know, jock and speak on them. and bringing it to you. Um, and now I'm showing you my cards. and They were like, oh, it was original at all. None of us are. None of us are. And that's kind of my point in all of this. We have interpretations, we have myths, we have actors, we have... Has that led us to where we're where how we got to where we so, using uh, good good tools and good points of reference, and is a wide variety of them is helpful. The other is to get to the authorial intent. Uh, first thing you need to know: this is a little bit of a review from two weeks ago. You need to know the genre.